We can't have the way God answers a prayer be our indication of whether or not God loves us, because that would go against the other places and the other things that we hear in Scripture. So when we come across a principle like, does God heal all of our diseases, and we don't know how to reconcile it, what we need to know is that God's ways are higher than our ways, and that it isn't that it can't be reconciled, it's just that we might not yet fully understand what that means. Hey everyone, welcome back to How to Study the Bible. My name is Nicole Eunice, and I am your fellow journeyer on this journey of life and this desire to connect our lives with God through His Word. And that's what we do each and every week here and wherever you are in your faith, wherever you are in your own personal journey, you are welcome here. We are really just spending a few minutes together each time we're together looking at God's Word exploring what it means to um, understand the principles contained within the chapter or passage or verse that we're looking at and how to apply it to our lives, not so that we can just be full of Bible knowledge, that's not the purpose at all, but actually so that we can be in a position where we're experiencing God and we are bringing ourselves into a posture of learning and of humility where we say we believe that God is present and active and speaks through his word and that his primary way of communicating with us is what he has given us through the Holy Scriptures, which we're looking at together. So we're in a series called Love Psalms, and we are kind of journeying through the book of Psalms, looking at a couple of different verses and chapters that help us understand the Psalms as a whole. So what we talked about in the opening of this series was the idea that the Psalms cover the entire range of human expression, that they invite us to be fully honest and fully ourselves with God, but they also instruct us on how we can use trust and praise as a way of um, strengthening our faith, as a way of expressing ourselves to God. So we can bring the fullness of ourselves and we can bring the discipline and the faith that comes with also expressing our praise and our trust in God, no matter the circumstances that we face. So we've looked at what it means to pour out our plea to God. We've looked at what it is to claim God's promises, to pray to God. And today we're going to be looking at a psalm of praise, which is Psalm 103. So if you have your Bible and you want to turn to Psalm 103, if you're joining me from the car or mowing the lawn or washing the dishes, or um, then I'm going to read the psalm for you, and then we'll focus in on a couple of different places within the psalm. So I just want to invite you to take a deep breath, and let's come to God together. Psalm 103. I'm going to read you from the New Living Translation today. Let all that I am praise the Lord. With my whole heart, I will praise his holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for me. He forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases. He redeems me from death and crowns me with love and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things. My youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord gives righteousness and justice to all who are treated unfairly. He revealed his character to Moses and his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. He will not constantly accuse us nor remain angry forever. He does not punish us for all our sins, nor does he deal harshly with us as we deserve. 
for his unfailing love toward those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. He has removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. For he knows how weak we are. He remembers we are only dust. Our days on earth are like grass, like wildflowers. We bloom and die. The wind blows and we are gone as though we had never been here. But the love of the Lord remains forever with those who fear him. His salvation extends to the children's children, of those who are faithful to his covenant, of those who obey his commandments. The Lord has made the heavens his throne. From there, he rules over everything. Praise the Lord, you angels, you mighty ones who carry out his plans, listening for each of his commands. Yes, praise the Lord, you armies of angels who serve him and do his will. Praise the Lord, everything he has created, everything in all his kingdom. Let all that I am praise the Lord. Well, we have got quite a anthem of praise in front of us in this psalm, and obviously we're not going to be able to deconstruct all 22 verses, but when we look at that first question of what does it say, obviously here this verse has a, this chapter has a ton to say about the character of God. And if you are feeling discouraged or distant from God, one of the best things that you can do is spend five minutes listing out the characteristics of God that we find in this psalm. I'm going to do the first ones for you. It says that God um, does good things for me, verse 2. God forgives all my sins and heals my diseases, verse 3. God redeems me from death and crowns me with love and tender mercies, verse 4. Verse 5, he fills my life with good things. My youth is renewed like the eagles. You could just keep going, and you're going to find yourself with this extensive list of things that God has done for us. That alone may lift your spirits, truly. Just remembering who God is has a very powerful effect on our mindset, on our attitude, and on our emotions. So you could keep going all the way through verse 22, but you might find yourself pausing in a few places with some questions. Of course, one of the first questions I have is in verse 3, it says that God heals all of our diseases. And of course, I put a question mark by that because I know God doesn't always heal every physical disease in every person. Is this physical disease? Is this about something else? I might start to ask those questions, place those to the side to be like, maybe that's something that I want to explore later. Oftentimes, we may read in a passage and find ourselves questioning a verse early on like this one, and and it, it can almost derail us from seeing the, the whole of what's being said here, which is why I read the entire chapter to you. It's not that we don't want to know those answers, but we want to interpret a, a phrase like that in the context of the rest of what we're reading, yes? So for instance, it says that he fills my life with good things. We know that our life is not filled with just good things. But in the scope of a life, from beginning to end, especially when you look at verse 22, when it says, let all that I am praise the Lord, in the scope of all that I am, in all of the life that I have, how will I interpret what God has done for me? And part of what we're doing here is actually training our mind and improving our mindset or our attitude about who God really is and what God has really done. 
The next section that um, I'm drawn to is verse 10 through 13, where it talks about how God deals with our sin. It says that God doesn't punish us for all our sins. He doesn't deal with us harshly. And then in verse 12, this is one of those uh, theological concepts that we will come back to again and again in our understanding of God. Sometimes there are verses that point to these bigger realities about who God is that speak very clearly about an aspect of God's nature that then give us the ability to interpret other places in Scripture as well. Does that make sense? So when we hear something like John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that is a theological concept. It means the, the motive of God is love. And it doesn't say for God so loved Israel. It doesn't say for God so loved the people that would turn to him. It says for God so loved the world, like the whole thing that God's motive is love. And when we pick up a principle like God's motive is love, we can then interpret other places in Scripture through that principle. So we have another one of those principles here in verse 12. I'm getting ahead of myself, as I always do. But I just want you to make a note about verse 12. He has removed our sins as far from us as the East is from the West. That's just, we just want to make a note there, huh? Let's talk a little bit more about that. So that was question one. What does it say? Of course, there's this verse says this chapter says so many more things, but for the purposes of our time, we're going to focus on just those. You might find yourself leaving more notes for yourself about other places and other questions that you have. Um, So certainly that's a great uh, exercise to do, but let's continue on and move to, to question two, what's the backstory? Because I just want to point out to you something that's right here in my study notes. It's right there where you would also access it in your study Bible. I'm reading from a NLT study Bible today, and here's the text note that gives me an introduction to the chapter, and I highly recommend reading these chapter introductions. You're not always going to find them, but particularly in the Psalms, if it's a long Psalm, you're, there's probably a introduction to that chapter that's going to give you a little bit of context that can help you as you are processing and understanding what the words are actually saying. And this is what it says in Psalm 103, the text note. This psalm celebrates the Lord's perfection, compassion, forgiveness, and goodness. The structure of the psalm is an acrostic poem with one verse for each letter in the Hebrew alphabet. And then it also says, see also Psalm 9, 10, 25, 34, 30. Okay. So ooh, now we're going to get a little note that, wow, there are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 other Psalms in the book of Psalms that use this structure of an acrostic. And so you may remember an acrostic from like elementary school English class, but an acrostic is when you take the alphabet and you start a poem with the first you know letter of the alphabet, or you could do it with like a word, but generally you would go A through Z. And what an incredible exercise to think about is that the psalmist was like, from the beginning to the end of the alphabet, there are so many things to say about God's goodness that I'm going to have something to say. Can you imagine reading this in the Hebrew, like how beautiful and amazing it would be in the original language to hear all of these things that are being said about God, about his his nature, about his character, just like it said in the text note about his 
his perfection, about his goodness, about his forgiveness. Um, and we can actually organize the psalm around those words. If we wanted to, we could just write, okay, God's perfection. What is the what does the scripture say about that? God's forgiveness. What is that saying here? God's goodness. And so we see an organization coming together about the way that this psalm is inviting us to engage. Okay, question three in the Alive Method that we've been using here is what does it mean? Well, this psalm has a ton to teach us. There's many, many principles contained within this psalm. But as I said before, I want to focus in on just a couple. The first one is verse three, where we said, he forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases. Now, what we know is that in our earthly life, not every disease is healed, And sometimes people can waver in their faith because they think, why would I even pray to God if God isn't going to heal me? And the reality is this earthly life is a chapter in our eternal life, that we've been given this soul that is eternal, that is the essential part of us. It says in Ecclesiastes, God has set eternity in the hearts of men. We know from Genesis 1 that we were created in the image of God, male and female, he created them. We know all through scripture that God speaks about the preciousness of our soul and the eternal aspect of our soul, meaning it goes on after our earthly life has ended. So when I look at this verse, I think about interpreting it in the context of eternity with a chapter of our eternal life being our earthly life. And if you interpret it that way, does God heal all of our diseases? Yes, ultimately, God does heal all of our diseases. That healing may come in the physical life. There are examples in scripture of people praying. I believe there's an example in Habakkuk, I think that's correct, where, um, no, I'm sorry, it's Hezekiah. <laughs> it's those those H guys from the Old Testament, couldn't remember which one. Hezekiah, and we'll drop this in the show notes, Hezekiah prays for him to, to experience healing. Um, he actually prays for his life to be extended, and God grants that prayer. So even though we know that Hezekiah prayed and God healed him, we also know that there's places in Scripture where people are not healed and people die. And we know that in our own life as well. So we can't have the way God answers a prayer be our indication of whether or not God loves us, because that would go against the other places and the other things that we hear in Scripture. So when we come across a principle like, does God heal all of our diseases, and we don't know how to reconcile it— What we need to know is that God's ways are higher than our ways and that it isn't that it can't be reconciled. It's just that we might not yet fully understand what that means. And as we spend time in scripture, we're able to hold that theory out and say, okay, this must not mean that God always heals every earthly disease, although sometimes he does. And we certainly can pray for healing. We know specifically that we can pray for healing. But what we do know is that there are greater principles at play and that, yes, there is a end to the chapter of our eternal life that is our earthly life. And yes, there is a time where we will be given a new body and we will be fully healed from every disease, whether that disease is physical or emotional or mental, there will be healing and we can praise God for that. Amen. Does that make sense? Okay, the other principle I wanted to look at today was this one in verse 12. He has removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. How far is the east from the west? It is unfathomable. 
it is impossible. There is no such thing as as far as the east is from the west. And that's the that's this word picture that God is giving. I just imagine God's arms flung open wide, pointing to the east and the west. And he's like, there is no ending to this kind of forgiveness. The removal of our sin is so far that it will never touch and that it's infinite. And having that kind of powerful picture about forgiveness, what does that sound like? It's, it's, it's permanent and it is limitless. There is no such thing as a, for a sin that God has, is not saying he will forgive and that when that sin is forgiven, it's removed from his memory. So we can look at a passage like this and look at that principle and actually tell ourselves, instruct ourselves that whenever we fail, whenever we fall, whenever we come to the end of ourselves, which is quite frequent in my life, we can remember this truth that God has said that that sin that you're carrying, that thing that you think keeps you from me, I have removed that thing as far as the East is from the West. You know, it is the work of darkness to have you believe that you have a sin that's too great to be in the presence of God. Because the place where you experience healing and forgiveness is in the presence of God. So wouldn't it be a wonderfully divisive and devious act to make you believe that you have sinned in a way that keeps you from the presence of God? No. For God so loved the world. No. For God forgives all our sins. No, for God has removed your sin as far as the east is from the west. There is nothing, nothing that can separate you from the love of Christ. Romans 8. This is a moment where we move to application. What does this mean for me? And I want to invite you and encourage you to think deeply about ways that you might feel distant from God. Have you removed yourself from his presence? Because of your own guilt, because of your own shame, or because of your own ideas of what isn't okay to bring into the presence of God. Because that's not what God is saying. If we learn anything from this psalm, it's, that's not what God is saying. What God is saying is that he is just doling out the benefits of his goodness and his forgiveness and his perfection. And he's inviting us into his presence because of the benefits of his love and if we're removing ourselves, we are forfeiting the grace that God has given us. That's from Jonah chapter four. Like we want to be in the presence of God, that we want to bring all of ourselves to the presence of God, that all of us is welcome into the presence of God, and that it is actually the work of darkness to have us think that something is separating us from the presence of God, the very place where you experience healing and wholeness and strength. So today, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, I want to invite you to just claim that you are welcome in the presence of God, that God is with you and you will not fail, that no matter what happened yesterday, no matter what happened this morning, no matter what happens tomorrow, God is still saying, as far as the East is from the West is as far as I have removed your sin. So that is good news. Let all that we are praise the Lord. Talk with you guys next week. Thanks for listening to How to Study the Bible with Nicole Eunice, a production of LifeAudio.com and the Salem Web Network. This episode was produced by Kelly Gibbons and our executive producer, Stephen McGarvey, 
and edited by Stephen Sanders. If you enjoyed what you heard today, we'd love for you to head over to your favorite podcast app and leave us a review. It really does help people find us. To learn more about Nicole, you can check out her website at NicoleEunis.com. Her book on how to study the Bible is called Help, My Bible is Alive. And you can find a link to that plus a link to Nicole's site in today's show notes. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for working everything out for my good. Help me trust in your perfect plan. Amen. Father, thank you for loving and caring for me. With Christian prayer meditation, you can pray along to prayers based on specific topics. Go to lifeaudio.com or search your favorite podcast app for Christian prayer meditation. You can also download the Abide app for biblical meditations at abide.com. Dot com.